The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, when Alan Greenfield joins us on the Paracast, it's been a while, I wonder if he'll say something that will get us banned. No, he's not that kind of person. Right, Alan? Everybody else is okay with it. Everybody. Even CNN. Well, we're on traditional radio, and we aren't allowed. That's what the network says. Anyway. Right. Radio shows are different from podcasts. They actually have uh, FCC oversight. Exactly. Let's just say, uh, do what the the hell your people do. Every time they say the F word, they just have a beep, 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 beep. So they still have flow of conversation, but a bird squawks to override it. Just a thought. Well, I'll have to get some bird squawk sounds, okay? We've never needed to what? use it, but we we also have... What? We also... <laughs> yes, please. We also, yes, please. We also, as it must be something in that tea you're drinking. We also have the After the Powercast podcast, which is a premium show, and that's where you can use language. You can use the same language that the late Tim Beckley and also... Our other guests of that week, our Dark Matters radio guy, used when they were screaming at each other. Don Ecker weird and being Tim on Beckley. With Swartz and Beckley isn't here, but I'm I'm prepared to contact Beckley from the beyond, and we'll get him on, and he'll say the the word right away. Yes, yes, I'm sure that I am quite sure that. Mr. Beckley would love to talk to us. I would think, though, that if we're going to be bringing people back on the show, let's get Jim Mosley. Well, (laughs) he didn't believe in the great beyond, so if he's there, he'd probably go, the first word out of his mouth would be, remember the trip to uh, Amherst, where every third word, I didn't know that word at that point, but I sure knew it by the time we got to Palmer's house. God, we're not going to. From Mosley was. Well, what the? In a friendly manner. Well, what was interesting there is that it was such a small town that when we got lost and we stopped at a service station and we asked, "Do you know where Ray Palmer lives?" and he knew. Well, of course, he was the most famous person in the town, next to that pornographer, according to them, uh, Shaver. Shaver was a pornographer? 
According to Shaver, well, it depends. When I was first introduced to Amazing Stories, way back when I was a kid, my mother said, and I loosely quote from memory, uh, that stuff, your Uncle Bernie liked it, but they wouldn't let him read it because it was too, you know. I said, well, mother, can I get a copy? Because they were very lurid, and their secondary audience, shut up. Back in the day, was were soldiers who were about to uh, land at Normandy, and, you know, they wanted something to divert their attention. And what better than the lurid covers of Amazing Stories? Anyway, Shaver, when he left Wisconsin, wrote me a letter. I said, um, could you give me a little article on why you left? And he said, you know, in the way that he wrote, uh, not the way he talked, um, well... A Catholic priest fingered me for pornography, and I thought, he's not a pornographer. And then I thought, what constitutes a pornographer in 1970s rural uh, Wisconsin? And I came up with amazing and fantastic, and the fact that Shaver didn't censor sexual stuff from his writings. He left that to Palmer. Who knows? But I don't think it was anything any worse than that, or better than that, depending on how you look at it. Well, we interviewed Shaver back in the 70s, and he seemed perfectly normal. You remember the interview, perfectly normal, perfectly sensible. And other than an appearance he did or two with Palmer on the Long John Show, I don't know if there are any other interviews with Shaver. Have you kept it? The recording, I have no idea where it went, nor do I have any idea where the reel-to-reel recording that we did with Ray Palmer went. You know, we're talking here about 50 years ago, or 55 years ago, and I have not mislaid, but I have moved a few times. And because I've moved a Me few too. times... Some right. of the times that I have moved have been on advice of attorney. Get your kid and get across state lines. So I did lose a lot of stuff. Like I had a this thick, you'll have to imagine audio people, you'll have to... This thick uh, folio of letters from John Keel. I see that he wrote a lot of people the same stuff. He was very verbose on a typewriter, among other places. And uh, it... Uh, it was there in Tucson during my uh, attempt at an educational period, and uh, there it stayed along with all of my early videotapes, which were done on audio tape. Maybe that was impossible, but you could do it, you know. Iron oxide was iron oxide. So um, all of that's gone, and lots and lots of things from my various moves between war, revolution, and uh, divorce courts uh, and custody battles, a lot of stuff is gone. On the other hand, I still had a ton of stuff uh, from, let's say, circa 1980s on, and I have given those all following in Mosley's tradition of donating stuff during the uh, – during the twilight years of our discontent uh, in this immortal coil, uh, I gave them all to my publisher, who is my literary executor. So um, I will always be here. And he has two strong sons who will carry on after him. Of course, his dad, never mind. It's not important right now. 
I had, ahead, a I had a file. Thank you so much. I had a file cabinet. You're welcome. You're very welcome. In Exton, Pennsylvania, when I was the co-owner of a shop called Project 3. And the other guy at Project 3, when it folded, he took the file cabinet and threw it out. The file mm -hmm. cabinet contained all the original files from Caveat M Tour magazine, except for copies I had in a couple of boxes. It contained tons of letters from Shaver, from Palmer, from Mosley, from Gray Barker, tons of stuff, and probably the original recordings of all the great interviews I did in those days. Well, one thing that survived until I moved where I am now five years ago, and that was I was living in Ackworth, Georgia from 2001, a very memorable year, so I, I know exactly when. Uh, and I trans knowing that I wasn't going to take my uh, uh, cassette tapes with me because I was paring down, as I always do when I have to move somewhere. Uh, it saves money with the movers who go very, very slowly at, you know, like $100 an hour or whatever, just just like most prostitutes. But we'll leave that as it be. Um, I'm in favor of workers, sex workers and those who haul, you know, whatever they haul. But anyway, um, so I digitized all of my cassette tapes that I thought were worth saving. And some of those are pretty valuable, and I do have them. One is up on YouTube with some, I'm not my son, Alex, who is in the movie business. So it's just still photos of Gray, Gray and Jim, Gray and Jim and Mothman, Gray, Jim, Mothman and Keel, you know, those. But the, the audio is one of Gray's uh, uh, cranes from the cranium broadcasts and that it's the one that features uh his interviews like two days later with uh, the original witnesses to mothman alan greenfield what can i say everything has to be left unsaid tim swartz you're in, <laughs> you're in the paracast hey listeners I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Do you ever get the feeling that the world is being held together with duct tape? Every day we're thrown some new meaningless drama in the fake news to distract us from the reality we're all about to face. Between the government trying to print their way out of debt, military conflicts, the disintegration of our most trusted institutions, and a looming food shortage, preparedness is no longer a choice. It's a necessity. You can trust my Patriot Supply. 
Our emergency food kits come packed with tasty meals, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one kit for each person in your family. Self-reliance is the only alternative to government food lines. Time is running out. Become ungovernable. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save on dozens of different emergency food kits while you can. These kits are in stock, ship fast, and arrive in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before the next crisis strikes. MyPatriotSupply.com Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. When we have Alan Greenfield on the Paracast, he is one of the most interesting interviews because I say, hello, Alan, and I can answer him two hours later. We're talking about early histories here, our travels around the country, all the great interviews that we did over the years. I had one with Major Donald Kehoe, not when you and I talked with him with our other group of friends, but another time I met him up at a convention in 1975 in, what was it, Fort Smith, Arkansas? I think so. And I didn't have that one either. I had that published by one of those supermarket rags, and the supermarket rag dared to go out of business before they cut me my tiny check. So I never got paid for it. Now, if I could find a copy of it anywhere, I would publish it because they can't stop me because they're out of business. That's how it goes. Now, Alan and I have known each other three or 4,000 years, or maybe it feels that long. At least that long. And 
When people ask me about UFO theories and such, I always remember New Year's Eve in the 60s, where you would come to New York and your parents would set you up in a separate room at a rather luxurious hotel. I don't recall which one, but you certainly do. The Manhattan Hilton, just overlooking Times Square. We could watch the exciting events on television, but not participate and get mugged. In any case... (laughs) We were the muggers, you know. (laughs) We were the boys in the park. You see, that was more than seven years ago, so they can't arrest us for anything we did. But anyway, we got together and we talk all night. And one time you came with a book, a tattered copy, as I recall, of The Incomplete Enchanter. And therein lies a tale. Let's have a tale. Well, I'll even tell you a part that you probably don't know. Um, First of all, I think I said on your forum, plug, 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 thank you, Alan. You're welcome, Gene, uh, that uh, the reality of the situation is that I still have that copy. And while it is a fictional book that is sufficiently fictional that the authors, uh, L. Sprague Camp and Fletcher Pratt, had to put a quote in the beginning because they were part of the science fiction establishment and had learned lessons from the psionic machine people and from Shaver. You don't cross the line into nonfiction. Uh, Or if you do, it has to be hard science fiction. So they put a a little quote from one of the Roman, I forget which one, uh, but it just, everything we write about here is not true and you shouldn't believe it. But they didn't know that I was going to read it and be totally entranced with it, fiction or otherwise. So when I first read it, for several years... I would try walking into mirrors, suitably attired, in case I wound up in the world of uh, uh, Vikings or uh, Roman gladiators or, you know, whatever. And, uh, in fact, I would, you know, dress up like a gladiator or dress down was more like it. And one time my father walked in the room and said, why are you dressing like a Greek? You're a Jew. And I... (laughs) I thought about that, and I said, well, I probably were a lot of Jewish gladiators considering what the Romans did to the Jews. I couldn't do any worse than that. But he wasn't listening at that point. He was just getting in his licks, you know. So anyway, it influenced me, but I never thought about it in terms of it changing my mind about uh, UFOs or UAPs. (laughs) Quote the government term. You people out there using UAP, you're just falling victim to propaganda. Minimize your use of it. Use it to identify cases if you have to. But remember, UFO is a much more uh, identifiable term in terms of the phenomena. Or the one I prefer, flying saucers. They're not necessarily saucers. But And they're not necessarily flying, as I say. In any case, getting back to the book, was I doing the book? Oh, yes. So I um, considered it important, and I think I was still a sort of lukewarm advocate of ETH that year when I uh, came to, I took Manhattan, 
the Isles and Staten. No, I didn't go to Staten Island. But uh, but you came in from Brooklyn and Beckley and uh, who else was there that year? I don't remember. But I, there was a long period there. Uh, was that the year your father showed up to see if you had been uh, canned and eaten by this demented Greenfield person? You know, from the from the uh, what was it the rail line or? Well, you know what? I remember said, one time when... Are you okay? You're still breathing? And I said, uh, oh, hello, Mr. Seinberg. I can explain myself. Well, you know, I remember an instance there where I went to Jim Mosley's apartment in Fort Lee. And I came home really late in the morning. It was already light. I exited the subway station in Brooklyn, walked down the stairs, and there was my father waiting. But the particular instance I'm talking about it was you and I... And nobody else. Beckley wasn't there. My father didn't show up. It was just us. Yeah. Okay. So I introduced you, I guess, to the, at that point, I wouldn't even call it a theory. It was the uh, romantic idea of there being alternate realities as described in this book, which by that time was already you know, Broken Spine and so forth, because I had read it like five times. In later years, uh, there were some other Harold Shea stories, somewhat inferior, that had been published in, I don't know, um, Astounding, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't remember where they first appeared, but they were all put together in The Complete Enchanter, and I do have that as well. But it must have been having a subliminal influence on me and possibly even thee, because a year or two later, I, I began to realize that the extraterrestrial uh, notion, it's not really a hypothesis unless you can back it up in some way, and I'm, mm, I don't see any record of anything coming in from elsewhere in the known universe um, editorial comment so what I did was try to come up with a theoretical basis for saying no UFOs are not extraterrestrial they're interdimensional and this was just oh, a few years after Mosley and company had been on the kick of the uh, uh, the Earth Theory, I think, was the secret weapons theory. It was a little bit before my time, or your time, I think, but uh, they still talked about Dr. D and all of that. I think now would be a good time to talk about that because these triangular UFOs that are seen everywhere, uh, there's a fairly good chance that they are a secret weapon. Let me talk about that for a second, and we'll be back in a moment with Alan Greenfield and Tim Swartz, but I'll just remind everybody that I remember a meeting I had with Mosley at the home of the infamous Dr. D, where he said something that made Jim totally mistrust the secret weapons theory. How about them apples? We've got more to come. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. 
These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. This is a USA News update. A U.S. fighter jet has shot down another object flying in North American skies, this time over Canada. Just hours after the object was brought down, Canadian Defense Secretary Anita Anand said at a briefing that planes from both countries were scrambled to investigate a small cylindrical object. Anand said the object posed a reasonable threat to civilian flight, and at approximately 3.40 p.m. it was shot down by an American F-22 roughly 40,000 feet above central Yukon. The toll is expected to keep rising after a devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria this week. The Monday quakes already responsible for the deaths of nearly 28,000 people. We're hours away from kickoff of Super Bowl 57, which sees the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs face off. Karen Sloan, USA News. We depend on our drinking water supply daily, but where does that water come from? Your water provider encourages you to get to know your local water source so together we can protect and preserve it. The investments we make as a community to protect our water source now ensure we have a sustainable drinking water supply for the future. Visit drinktap.org to learn more. This message is brought to you by the American Water Works Association and your local water provider. I need a tax preparer. How should I choose one? Using a paid tax preparer this year? Before paying someone to do your taxes, make sure they're qualified. Ask about their fees, experience, and training. Check with a Better Business Bureau. Avoid anyone who promises a higher refund. And review your tax return before you sign it. And make sure your preparer signs it too. For more tips, visit irs.gov and search Choosing a Preparer. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe $25,000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. This is James Fox. 
director of the phenomenon and moment of contact, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. All right, with Alan Greenfield, co-host Tim Swartz, continuing on our remembrances of early theorizing about UFOs. And Jim had adopted this Earth theory. It was all secret weapons. Apparently, he adapted that from the things that Dr. D, Dr. Leon Davidson told him. Now, Dr. Davidson, if you look him up in Wikipedia, and I won't go into all of it now, had a legitimate scientific background, such as it is. And we were at his home, and he said something, and Jim said, you fooled me there. Apparently, something that led him to the Earth theory ended. Now, just before we go on with that and our discussion, more recently we have this controversy over the Chinese balloons over America and whether the president waited too long to shoot it down. They also said there were three sightings during the previous administration, but guess what? They had been at the time classified as, to use that name, UAPs, mistakenly even though they were in reality secret surveillance balloons. So there you go. It connects full to what we're doing here. Alan, let's go on with what you had to say. Well, I mean, I I want to speak to that momentarily, which is to say the triangular UFOs that have suddenly become very common may or may not be some sort of secret weapon. If they are, I have a bone to pick. I am a big supporter of peace through superior firepower because we've essentially been at peace since Nagasaki. And I mean in world terms with world powers because the consequences of a nuclear war are just too terrible to uh, contemplate by anybody who isn't suicidal. So I worry about Iran. I don't worry about Putin. He's got too many investments to blow up, if you know what I mean. Not his investments, him, although heaven knows he deserves it. Where was I going with that? That's a horrible thing to say, that Putin should blow up. Not important. Okay, the balloons. The balloons certainly could have been misidentified as individual cases, but that doesn't mean that that is something that would be universal, because as I often point out, most UFOs are seen, we're not talking about lights in the sky, lights in the sky can be satellites or misidentified airplanes or very conventional things, it doesn't require, even airliners, it doesn't require anything you know, in the way of secret weapons or anything as, as esoteric as visitors from another ether, 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 quack. So, if you look at balloons, the number involved would be minuscule. I mean, I can understand the political theory that goes, we're in a the beginning of a political cycle. So, anything the uh, Republicans have every interest in saying, oh, those that were appeared over the previous administration, we won't talk about. But this one, heads we win, tails we win. Uh, Because if it had been shot down over a uh, 
relatively sparsely inhabited place like Montana, nothing I would really oppose. It could have fallen on somebody's head or on somebody's cow's head or whatever the six people that live in Montana, you know, are unfortunate enough to be under. And then they would say, oh, you shot it down too soon. You've caused injury in one of the red states or whatever. If, on the other hand, you wait till it's out over the Atlantic and do what uh, seems a lot more rational, shoot it down then, then you can, oh, well, you didn't, you let it cross the whole United States and Texas, as Gabby Hayes used to say, God rest his soul. And all of that is politics. It has nothing to do with the UFO phenomenon. Now, there is a case to be made that in World War II, which was before I was born, probably before Gene was born, barely, um, no no dig involved there. It was barely before I was born. Uh, but Japan, having succeeded in uh, temporarily setting back the U.S. Navy at Pearl Harbor by a sneak attack that everybody knew was coming, but it was a sneak attack, uh, started floating an endless number of balloons with incendiary devices in them uh, and knowing that the prevailing winds would take some of them to the American uh, continent hoping that it would, you know, cause panic. And as it turns out, a couple of them reached their target. It may be that, although I think that this is not the explanation, it may be the so-called Battle of Los Angeles was, in fact, one of those balloons. There's even an argument, I think a totally incorrect argument, that the Maury Allen case wasn't a hoax, but it was a case of a misidentified uh, uh, Japanese balloon that had just been floating around and wound up in Puget Sound before it blew up. I think that does isn't consistent with the uh, the evidence and some of the things which will be in my next book, plug number one. Um, they um, uh, probably were all gone by that point, but certainly the description didn't didn't match that particular notion. So um, there you go. I don't think that the secret weapons thing explains Maury Island, and I certainly don't think that the balloons that China has been floating, nobody's even mentioned that they're probably imitating Japan in World War II, because the notion of using balloons when you have satellite imagery, clearly they have something else in mind, like propaganda, like if we can float a balloon to Montana, we can send a missile to Montana. But to quote the late, ungreat Vienna von Braun, a missus, a schmissel. We got more missus. So there you go. That's all I have to say on the subject. I will say no more unless you ask me. Okay, that's big 99 red balloons. But before we talk about the 99 balloons, that's an interesting lost, subject. Lost balloons! See, but as long as we're talking about balloons, what portion of the UFO cases from the early years you think were secret weapons of some sort? Not as many as sometimes are ascribed. And some of them were certainly misidentified um, uh, natural phenomena, um, war nerves, 
I mean, we'd spent a long time, uh, you know, having blackouts and after the war when our troubles with uh, Holy Mother Russia became apparent, the Ground Observer Corps was organized and they had a few reports, but I think for ordinary people, I'll give you the one anecdote that uh, I have mentioned before. When I was about two or three, before I could swim, but this is a very vivid memory, I was standing in the Atlantic Ocean in Miami, which my parents like to go to every year. Um, uh, and I looked up, and I don't know what you know my baby words for it were, but I it was, oh, that must be the uh, jet because I saw a contrail. And I heard a little further up the beach another child's voice going, there goes a soul ascending into heaven. And I thought, I'll remember this. And why did I remember it? Because clearly interpretation has a lot to do with your particular background. I lived next to an airport. My parents were... I wouldn't say they were materialists, certainly not my mother, but uh, they were, um, for ordinary Joes, they were uh, Joes and Janes, they were uh, pretty well informed. Alan, Gene, and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Paracast, Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. February is Heart Month. Every year for the month of February, 
to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extendovite. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? So now, Alan becomes the latest of a number of guests we've had on this show, who remember stuff happening when he was two years old. Two or Just three. Two or three, I, your yeah. sense of time at that age is a lot less than your sense of memory of key moments. The only memory I have, I was in the crib, I wasn't very happy, and there was like something happening in the living room of this house in which we were living at the time. And I, as I said, I remember not being too happy about whatever it was. I didn't see any strange creatures. I didn't see any UFOs, although some guests have. Let's go on with your story, Alan. Oh, so I think that the implications of that are that a lot of early cases anyway, uh, things that were becoming ordinary in post-war technology, partly because of war nerves, partly because you were told to watch the skies, and partly because some really good movies about flying saucers were coming out. The Day the Earth Stood Still, the original, not the Keanu Reeves version. Um, And uh, The Earth Versus the Flying Saucers with uh, Ray Harryhausen, excellent for its day effects. And that was suggested by a book from Major Donald Kehoe. So they say. I think that was, you know, Kehoe got his little payment. I mean, technical advice usually didn't say anything about the movie, but probably somebody had, you know, read the blurb on the back cover and uh, asked him to be the technical advisor. Uh, I didn't ask him about that, but I knew, you know, that he got his uh, credit there. 
I mean, uh, my son Alex had one film where he's only credited with being the story consultant. And not to give away, you know, inside Hollywood stuff because it isn't my deal. But uh, he actually wrote it because the original writers up. Okay, don't take that too seriously. It was a fictional movie that mainly was one of one of those, one of the earliest where uh, the excuse to have Washington D.C. destroyed, along with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, original version that uh, uh, sort of the commies are going to take over, and you'll wake up and you won't be the same anymore because. You know, they absorb you into the clue that binds them. Marxism, Leninism, Stalinism, ism-ism, which is a real threat, but uh, the domestic version of it was uh, ridiculous and painful for the American public. I think that... uh during that, you know, that time period, the 50s, when you had those, you know, great science fiction films, it also relates back to the, you know, emerging UFO phenomena that really does, I think, reflect Cold War fears. Yeah, that doesn't mean that they're not real, though. It, it means that people were alert to something going on, okay? But that doesn't mean that every uh, observation is necessarily something that has been misidentified or the equivalent of the later satanic panic. Uh, The satanic panic says absolutely nothing about the existence or non-existence of the devil. That's just axiomatic. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It has something to do with people who either believe in a devil or who have a vested interest in saying that they do. So um, uh, I don't think that that's particularly relevant. Now, I'll tell you what I go by where UFOs in specific are concerned. And uh, I, uh, my attitude towards these things has a broader scope than that. I think that perhaps as many as 25% of the existing cases are too close and too involved to be mistaken for anything other than either a hoax, an elaborate hoax, for which in most cases there was very little in the way of a motive, or they represent something not of this world in one sense or another. And once one comprehends that and also comprehends the fact that the only thing alternate to that that had been offered theretofore, other than by uh, uh, Mead Lane and the, the original crew at Borderland Sciences Research Associates, as it was known then, uh, it's now a foundation. Uh, it's possible to look in other directions or in omnidirection and uh, I never had a good theoretical basis for saying maybe they are quote interdimensional unquote because dimensions presumably would not be some far away world 
uh, as the movies, as particularly the Corman-type movies put it, a distant galaxy. And I think, a distant galaxy? You Do you know what kind of distances we're talking about there? We, we, we probably will never get beyond uh, Alpha Centauri or maybe, you know, even at near light speed, much less anything else. You have to go to some exotic theory there, and if you go to an exotic theory there, it's worth looking at other exotic theories. What about warp drive, then? What about warp drive? It's a science fiction device at this point. What about... uh, Well, I'm not going to answer a question with a question. That's a bad deal. But... I've watched talk about fusion computers being the next big thing for many, 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 many years. It's just around the corner, is it? No, it was. it's just about as just around the corner as it was 20, 30 years ago, which is why Stan Friedman, perhaps, uh, having uh, lost his uh, position in the nuclear... Uh, spacecraft program because of the, I think, the very sensible no nukes in space thing, sort of forgotten now, uh, became suddenly enamored of uh, ufology. Uh, That was, you know, his survival mechanism, and I don't totally begrudge that, but why he landed on Roswell, a skyhook balloon that went astray, I don't know. There are much better cases from that exact same period. Uh, be that as it well, may. We do have I, to also, we also have to blame Charles Burles and William Moore for that first Roswell book. That, the, uh, for, I mean, sure. you know, that it, and also, if you, uh, if you talk to people who are uh, UFO fans or enthusiasts or even uh, people that are into it enough to be called ufologists or ufologers. I've seen that term recently. Or uappers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, they're not going to know who Charles Berlitz is. They'll think, oh, is that something about the uh, people that teach you how to speak uh, Swahili or Greek or Swahili Greek or. No. That was his Who's grandfather, by the way, the creator of I know that. the Berlitz I know language that. schools. I'm well aware. I knew Charles Berlitz, but uh, uh, I didn't know his father or his grandfather, but I knew about the Berlitz school. It was very famous at one time. Now, you know, translation has, uh, like everything else, has gone uh, electronic, and uh, you can learn a great deal without spending, uh, you know, a small fortune on how to win friends and influence people. That's Dale Carnegie, and you don't hear much about that. The point is, Stan Friedman was a showman. And I don't begrudge that because I'm a showman. But his level of sincerity is something that I have to question because I don't see how anyone can watch the build on... I mean, you probably recall, Gene... Uh, I don't know if you do, Tim, but uh, back in the day, the Roswell case was no case until, you know, it was Stan Friedman's opening remark. Mosley opened with uh, Kenneth Arnold. Nine gleaming saucers was the beginning of every speech he did. There were nine gleaming saucers. Well, uh, 
Stan, and I do have an interview with him that I did at a, a MUFON, a, a Midwest UFO Network convention. And I still have that, but it's like third generation. It was recorded reel-to-reel, then transferred to cassette, and I preserved it in digital format. Anyone who wants that whole convention is welcome to it. We will continue with conventions and non-conventions with Alan Greenfield, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. Speaking of which, in terms of selling a story, Friedman was really good at it. I agree with you there. Yeah, but I'm not sure what his motivations were. I do know that he happened upon UFOs as his uh, cause celeb after the uh, nuclear rocket program, for those times anyway, uh, went away. So it was, you know, everybody needs to do something to eat and feed their family, right, Gene? So, you know, that was the thing that he that he did. But he could have been, he could have concentrated more on cases that I think are more substantive. Maury Allen, which has been much maligned in the standard ufology press, I think is the key case from 
other than Arnold for obvious reasons for June 1947. And I'll be talking about that extensively in my new book as yet untitled on the Black Lodge. The Black Lodge, the Black Lodge, the Black Lodge. Not a racial term. We really have to come up with a different term for that. Okay, where are we going with this? Well, I was trying to say that when I encountered quantum physics sometimes in the 70s, and at that point, look, I'm not a math person, so it was not the area of, I was in the humanities, so that's a totally different ballgame. But I thought, well, this, this seems promising, and for a different outlook on the way reality functions. And the more that I uh, became acquainted with it in a somewhat non-mathematical way, even read a book, uh, you know, uh, Quantum Theory Without Mathematics. Can't do it, unfortunately, but I, I learned enough to be able to make sense of it. When I started to hear about M-theory in its various forms, uh, the many worlds interpretation, the specifics uh, of string theory, which postulates a specific number of alternate realities and has a good many things to account for those part of the, uh, well, let's not be technical, the standard picture of, uh, of physics that really stress a lot of uh, older physicists out because it suggests that there might be some missing elements that uh, don't fit. And they do fit if you take M-theory in any of its forms seriously. But the current line of the newer establishment is, well, these other universes are postulated to exist, but we can never interpenetrate there. To which I say, well, at some point in the recent past, Continental uh, drift couldn't happen because the Earth is a stable, uh, has always been a stable thing, uh, which is sort of scientific equivalent of fundamentalism. And then uh, when I was in high school, that was still taught. Uh, a few years later, uh, continental drift was orthodoxy. I don't think that it's necessarily true. I don't even think that it's probably true that if alternate configurations of reality exist, whether it's a fixed number, which I doubt, or an infinite number, which I tend to favor, that somewhere in that infinity of possibilities, a, a notion that is mind-boggling if you really think about it, there hasn't been found a way to penetrate from one reality to another. And the reality, if these alternate universes exist is that that would be a closer to home explanation because they are right here. They're right there with you, Tim. They're right there with Eugene. They're right in this room. It just is an impenetrable protective shield, as they used to say in the toothpaste commercials. Uh, but I don't think any shield is in impenetrable by definition. Uh, it just the theoretical underpinnings of that may not happen in my lifetime, but I'm going to persist in saying 
if you are at all a futurist, the likelihood is if they exist, we will be able to uh, penetrate them. And in like, uh, uh, likewise, some realities probably have interpenetrated before. So with that in mind, I began to expand out, well, maybe cryptids, which appear and disappear very much like the uh, closer encounter UFO cases. I don't mean contactee cases per se, although some of them, you know, uh, may need to be looked at in a new light, particularly the trans-channel things, because that involves uh, elements of uh, paranormal research, which I think have a very strong case for them. Uh, but things like uh, with cryptids, I would say, well, I don't see any likelihood that there is a dinosaur in Loch Ness, but maybe something winks in and winks out of existence because it comes from some other reality, perhaps one that is equivalent to our uh, pre-asteroid uh, times in an aquatic environment. Don't know, but it's possible. Much more possible is something like uh, Bigfoot, which the biggest criticism, other than saying it's all bears, which uh, must say something about the ability of people to see, especially seasoned uh, hunters and people who basically don't want to shoot another person, mistaking it for, you know, a bear. So they're pretty alert to these things. Um if you get away from that theory, what do you find? They appear and disappear, but they don't seem to leave any droppings, which is, uh, for regular non-cryptozoologists, pretty damning, unless they're not what they at first appear to be, that they're more like the Whitley Strieber, uh, you know, masks of something else something that may even be not possible for us to um, fully resolve with our limited senses. So I start looking for cases, and I found several, where Bigfoot is said to emerge from a flying saucer. And I said, aha, perhaps they're the same phenomena in different forms. My first and only self-published book, Saucers and Saucers, which is now out in a commercial edition, because the original, I think, sold 100 copies, and I did all the work myself. But the original cover, which is lost to anyone who doesn't want to spend $1,000 on one of the few editions, that are out, few copies that are out there, uh, the cover was designed for me by a... Uh, a uh, well-known artist at that time, and it shows a flying saucer emerging gradually by a uh, gradual change of forms into a flower. And, of course, the point is these things can morph. They can be whatever you need to see, but they have some underlying actual reality, just not necessarily the consensus reality that we all live by. So, emerging from diverse theoretical backgrounds, I think I have uh, pushed us a step and a half closer to something that makes sense, more so than uh, 
visitors from another galaxy who came with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Speaking of which, Gene, remember the time in New York when, oh, I guess you would call it New York, right? Because you were from Brooklyn. Okay, I remember one time you told me you were walking home and I had this vision that Brooklyn was this far away place because New York gives the appearance of being this, you know, busy uh, megalopolis type thing. But if actually, uh, the reason it looks that way is because it's a small area and walking to Brooklyn was no task for a bodybuilder. With Alan, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the 
government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I still do a little bit of bodybuilding, not quite what I did in the 60s and 70s, but I still do it kind of, sort of, at my advanced age of 936. But yeah, it wasn't a bad walk at all. I remember when my old friend Ken Alpert, I don't know if you ever met him, and I walked from our place in Brooklyn in the East Flatbush section to the Carnegie Deli in Manhattan, which is no longer around. And we got this fabulous sandwich, fabulous sandwich with two or three meats and coleslaw and everything. And that, of course, we used up all that energy doing the walk back and forth. But I remember that we could do that. Of course, nowadays, you know, you'll get mugged on the way. But then anyway, back to the many worlds theory here, which, by the way, it seems to be everywhere. I mean, you've got the crisis, uh, yes. crisis on infinite Earths from the DC comics, and they play around with that in the Marvel comics. I remember there was one where they had like four different Supermen. They had a good Superman, a retired Superman, an evil Superman, and uh, the same Superman that appeared in the movie Superman Returns with gray hair. So, you know, that's how that went. Well... Actually, the notion of an alternate world in those, I mean, I know classic comics. I dedicated, I'm dedicated to avoiding the uh, Marvel Universe movies because I feel like they uh, diminish our ability as human beings to sort of rise above on our own. And uh, I always say, well, Superman was an illegal immigrant from another planet he should be deported back to you know krypton or crypto or wherever wherever you deport somebody like that from or you know i i I really don't feel that it in a way i think it emasculates us at a time when we need to be a lot stronger as human beings Uh, you get some of that from the anti-Semitic uh, David Icke sort of people. And since he's open about that now, I don't think you need to cut that out because he openly says, yeah, it was based on, the reptilians were based on Jewish prototypes. 
which I find horrifying in these times. That's one issue where they never really explain it. Superman, as a baby, lands on Earth in this field in the Kent's farm. They take him in and adopt him as their son. But there is no birth certificate. There is no record of his birth. How did they get away with it? Now, maybe in a small town, we assume they were able to do something or whatever, make up some kind of story. But you think, if this happened in modern times, this would be incredibly impossible to realize. Well, he would wind up in Mexico wondering what had happened. Going back a ways, so many people that uh, are adamant about keeping the foreigners out of the country, build that wall higher, whatever, are descended from people who came here, quote, illegally. That is, at one time there was no restriction whatsoever. This was, an, by some people's reckoning, an underpopulated continent. We needed people to do disagreeable work. And we found Irishmen and Jews and Italians and other people who were trying to better themselves, but for the first generation were doing uh, menial jobs. So America said, come on down, just don't live in our neighborhoods. That's a different level of problems. Now it seems like we're acting as if uh, Montana was full of people, you know. Montana has two senators, but no people. And likewise, the Dakotas and other places uh, stolen from our native inhabitants. This is the Paracast, folks. We talk about the paranormal, not about politics. Go ahead, please. I think it is impossible to totally separate the two, but be that as it may. Um, actually, since funding for all sorts of research is very dependent on endowments, including government endowments. You have to at least be aware of those situations. And, uh, okay, that's all I will say about that. But um, A big question we have here, of course, is that UFOs or whatever can look different, not just to people, but whatever could look different. And the question would be then, is it altered according to our cultural memes? Do they alter their appearance, they being whatever it is that causes UFOs? Is it possible here that it's done for our benefit? Well, we don't want to see what they look like, so we'll present spaceships or Bigfoot or whatever. It's both, I think, uh, but that's, that's guesswork. And based on, I, I guess, uh, certain progression of thought. We start out, everyone should read uh, Abbott's 1890, whatever book, which is online in a number of places, free for nothing, uh, Flatland. And I have frequently said, well, you know, the five senses that we have that are established senses will leave out any discussion of whether there is a paranormal aspect to our beings. But what we know for a fact is we evolved those senses for a very limited number of things. After all, in terms of biological time, we just came down out of the trees and stood upright recently. In terms of geological time, 
we're lucky to have had a millisecond that we're out of the trees and standing upright. And in terms of cosmological time, I don't think the amount of time that we have been upright and needed those five senses or anything in addition to that is just too small to, to calculate. So what if we're dealing with a phenomena and I'm correct that it comes from a true otherware? How are we going to resolve that? Well, not as it actually is in all likelihood, because we're basically uh, evolved to uh, eat and not be eaten, to reproduce and not be killed in the act, and very little else. So we've done pretty well in the million years or so that uh, some form of hominid has been evolving into Neanderthals and humans and um, um, that is Homo sapiens and uh, it is likely that we are simply not seeing these things as they are. Saying that however is not to ignore cases like I would be close to calling them contact cases but the latter-day contact cases, the most famous of which is uh, Strubber, I guess. We'll explore the modern, I guess we call them abduction cases, as a matter of fact, with Alan and Jean and Tim, you're in... Oh, the Pentecost. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA News Update. An unidentified object shot down over northern Canada yesterday, marking the third time in a week that U.S. fighter jets have taken down objects in North American airspace. A gas pipeline on the West Coast, shut down by a leak at the pipeline facility in California, has finally resumed operations. That shutdown affected deliveries of gasoline and diesel from L.A. east to areas including Las Vegas and Phoenix. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Both teams want to win, of course, but everyone also gets a bonus payday. 
That's because of the NFL's bargaining agreement with the Players Association. Players on the winning team will pocket an extra $157,000, while players losing will pocket $87,000. That's pale in comparison to the multi-million dollar contracts of some players. I'm Dave Collins. Corey Myers, USA News. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Tejibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We had Whitley Strieber on the Paracast once, and this is many years after he did his original book, Communion, right, as a result of which his views as to what was going on were modified. I think people assumed that he was trying to tell us with Communion that he met up with space people in his experiences at his cottage in upstate New York, but then his impressions of reality evolved or became different over the years. A lot of people of our generation and older tend to overthink this thing. Um, If you keep puzzling over whether, say, George Hunt Williamson was just an anti-Semitic crook or whether he was actually doing some serious communication with otherness is something that perhaps you can look at it too closely, find the flaws, and ignore the fact that the, well, that's a political thing, so I won't talk about it. Can I mention 
Russia's disinformation campaign because apparently Russians believe it, you know, and there's a lot of people, mostly in the disclosure movement, which I find a waste of time, who think the government knows what these things are, but they're not saying, well, they probably know what uh, secret weapons we have in the arsenal, and I just assume they stay secret until needed, but um, not that they're secret from the Chinese balloons, but... uh, Yes, I believe there's a, a question from one of your listeners. Well, even though we've already been talking about this, you know, I will have to mention that uh, our listener, uh, uh, Richard Hawkins, you know, asked uh, where um, where Alan stands on the, uh, you know, ETH theory versus the interdimensional theory. Of course, you know, we, we've been talking about that for the past 15 minutes. <laughs> Uh, I must have failed in my verbosity because I, I think the ETH, although, you know, theoretically possible, there are strong objections to it uh, on, on both ends of the scale. One is, uh, I'm not saying that if there are beings out there in the many, many galaxies that exist in the universe and that... Uh, Uh, the Webb uh, telescope is uh, bringing to our attention even more just by taking pictures of it. It's an immense universe. But I do think that it is a time-limited universe. And the notion that there are many planets that in the length of time, uh, 13 million years is the current calculation, something like that, right? Uh, Tim, you're the, you're the science guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 13 million years, is that a reasonable round off to the, um, the likelihood, given the number, I mean, I'm more at home in biology than I am in astrophysics, but it seems like there are so many steps from inert, non-living things to living things and from living things to thinking things, that the likelihood, and there are so many things that can interrupt that, witness Mars. I don't know that we'll find that anything ever lived there, but it was certainly possible. That doesn't mean that it happened. It's... It may be that the universe is teeming with intelligent life, in which case the Drake uh, paradox or whatever is, you know, where are they? Why don't they use radio? Maybe radio bores them. I, I would hate to say that on the Paracast, but maybe they never used radio waves. Maybe they don't have ears. Maybe sound is offensive to them. You know, that's always something the, uh, however, There should be some signs, and as we look deeper and deeper into the universe, we know there, didn't know this when I was a kid, it was just theory, that there are planets, many, many planets around other stars. There are some that are in the so-called Goldilocks zone, so that, you know, there's an argument for that, but still not a peep from out there. Not a real sign, and every time a planet is found that's in the Goldilocks zone and that isn't just, you know, on fire or whatever, it makes one of my news feeds or another, and then it stops making it because uh, they find that 
it has a an atmosphere that life as we know it which is also possibly a mistake uh, is not thought possible carbon-based life is not thought possible on that particular uh, planet so we don't know but there is a fair to middling argument that most planets are uninhabitable in the universe and those that are inhabitable, many of them are too close to the galactic center of their respective galaxies uh, to have much in the way of life considering the radiation levels that are probably true. And then, of course, if they're really, really close to the center, they get eaten up by a black hole. And what that means, I don't. No, and nobody here knows, and I'm not the volunteer who's going to jump in and see, or not see, as the case may be. Um, we have limits on that. At the other end of the spectrum is the argument that I've been making for a very long time, which is uh, UFOs and these other phenomena are seen on the Earth or just over the Earth. With the exception, perhaps, of Oumuamua, which is, you know, perhaps a natural object, perhaps not, um, we have no reason to think that uh, spaceships from other and space people. Uh, Gene used that term. I haven't heard it in years, but it, it's our generation of ufologists, uh, mostly the older generation that we made fun of. You know, the uh, the diehard contactees who were into using the space people, the friendly aliens who were blonde and blue-eyed and utterly, utterly Aryan. But uh, you know. That may be a projection of their particulars. Uh, according to Mosley, uh, who I relied on for a lot of information, uh, George Adamski was a rabid anti-Semite. So it would be, if he did meet aliens, you would expect them to be blonde and blue-eyed and tall and friendly to someone of uh, Mr. Adamski's persuasion. He's buried in Arlington, you know, you can't knock that. And according to Gray Barker, all the graves point to Adamski's grave. Well, uh, you know, if, if you look at the idea that uh, there is intelligent life, you know, out there in the universe, and they do manage to find us and come here, what are, what's the likelihood, though, that they would have evolved like us to be, you know, blonde-haired, white-skinned, blue-eyed uh, humanoids, and not some, you know, science fiction-type octopus with three eyes and a great big nasty beak. Um, dolphins with opposable thumbs. There you go. Um, that's, yeah, that's... A <laughs> we had never evolved, but the octopus learned to spend a lot of time on land. They don't need an opposable thumb. They have eight arms to hold you, as one of my friends put it in a very poetic piece <laughs> from the Cthulhu mythos years ago. Um, yeah, all of that is possible. But how many times would you need to do the things that flying saucers have done since antiquity and not have satisfied your curiosity about our uh, big blue marble 
Hey, we got more to come. We've got more to come with Alan Greenfield and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Do you ever get the feeling that the world is being held together with duct tape? Every day we're thrown some new meaningless drama in the fake news to distract us from the reality we're all about to face. Between the government trying to print their way out of debt, military conflicts, the disintegration of our most trusted institutions, and a looming food shortage, preparedness is no longer a choice. It's a necessity. You can trust my Patriot Supply. Our emergency food kits come packed with tasty meals, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one kit for each person in your family. Self-reliance is the only alternative to government food lines. Time is running out. Become ungovernable. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save on dozens of different emergency food kits while you can. These kits are in stock, ship fast, and arrive in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before the next crisis strikes. MyPatriotSupply.com Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate 
over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. You bring up an interesting point, Alan, about this, and this goes for abductions. How many people does ET have to abduct before they have all the genetic samples they need? Even if they want to create a hybrid race, how often do they have to do it? How often do they have to pick potted plants to get the information they need? Why would they need to abduct anyone in a painful fashion? They could certainly, if they can fly from hither and yon to here, they could do things in a painless way. Unless they are something other than what they seem, and those experiences are other than what they seem. I have a personal opinion on that that is half serious, which is they do it for kicks, Mm. including the famous uh, rectal exam, which is clearly they have, I mean, for every case that we know about, to use the late John Keel's term, uh, there are more silent contactees, or in this case, uh, silent abductees for, I hope, obvious reasons. And there are people who have come out and said, yeah, I was abducted and they did their horrible exams on me. and Or I was abducted and I really enjoyed it. You know, whatever their particular, you know, whatever does or doesn't float their boat. So um, probably those cases are in the thousands. The question is, how many of one particular uh, species or species, whatever, do you have to uh, open wide and say, ah, before you know their anatomy and know what they're all about? Not that many. Very few. If if you're an advanced civilization from some uh, hypothetical planet somewhere else. So... Uh, the closest thing to an ETH type theory that would fit that would be the um, the predator. Uh, by the way, somebody saw a landed flying saucer a few days ago, if I'm correct on this. This is, I think, from the Phantom and Monsters site, which I wish they would uh, cite the names of witnesses more often, although I do understand my late friend Brad Steiger never gave away names, and there are reasons for that. But still, sometimes people are, are fine at being public, and... It's good to, if you're making sensational claims, particularly if they're anomalous, uh, it's good to cite your, you know, the people who uh, profess to have experienced or witnessed this so that you can talk to them, interview them, and determine for yourself whether they're wild or mild, whether it's uh, true or 
uh, a figment of one sort or another. Um, but be that as it may, as I say often, the weird case recently was of a predator type being with that uh, would go transparent and then, you know, would become solid but horrifying. So the predators, according to this, come to Earth to hunt people. And uh, that sort of makes sense. You don't, for those who are inclined to be hunters, one kill doesn't, you know, do it for you. You have to be on safari and prove your thinghood, <laughs> whatever, by, uh, you know, racking up a, a score of uh, dead uh, humans and or as things have evolved, dead things from out there that uh, come elsewhere. Oh, and I was trying to say something about the uh, earlier we were talking about how uh, in the Marvel Universe they are pushing uh, alternate realities uh, 40 years after I was first interested and in advocating that approach. Um, the classical Superman had the Bizarro planet with the Bizarro beings, and that was sort of an alternate world. Uh, so uh, it goes way back. It's not as if the idea of otherware came out of nowhere. It's uh, It used to be closer. It was on the dark side of the moon. It was on the center of the earth or, you know, th th there are earlier versions, but they are, uh, it's like my adaptation of of the Shaver mythos. And I use mythos in the Campbellian slash Jungian sense, not in the sense that it's imaginary or untrue. Uh, Shaver seemed quite coherent to me, and there are a lot of other cases Either there are a lot of people who are totally demented, or there is a there are a honeycomb of caves that we have not detected in the inside of the Earth, or caves sometimes are portals to other dimensions, and people have gone and come back, and by their lights they have been you know to to a an Antarctica that doesn't exist or to an inner earth that doesn't exist or, or whatever, but that their interpretation is going to be consistent with the times they live in and what they think is palatable to the public and also what is palatable to them to keep them out of, uh, uh, of mental health care. With, with Richard Shaver, for example, did, according to the bios we've read of him and what Ray Palmer told you and I and our rest of our crew, did spend some time in a mental institution. But the first time I got the impression he was allegedly railroaded because he married the wrong woman or something it was pretty crazy what he went through. Ray Palmer, towards the end of his days, talked not about a physical hollow earth, but a hollow earth in the astral plane. And when you look at it now, 50 years later, he was likely talking about another dimension. He was, I think. I mean, he, he was groping in that direction. Uh, whereas Shaver was pretty well convinced that his experiences were that. Also, I think uh, 
Well, this was certainly true in Shaver's lifetime. American law is such that uh, a dead person you can uh, slander or libel them all you want, but the reasonable thing to do is corpus delecti, show me the body, show me the, you know, the sign in and sign out. I think that that a person who said, I've been to the caves and I've met the Dero and the Tiro is probably going to wind up spending some time in a ding ward. However, I was a student of the anti-psychiatry movement, and while I never became that extreme, I think that uh, people do misfire, and there are mental health problems that, uh, especially veterans, uh, but a lot of people uh, have to deal with that they could use some help with. But locking people up in the way they used to do in what my mother always calls snake pits, um, that hardly is uh, mental health. It's more like... uh, uh, shut off the people who are deviants, and that, by the way, included people who back in the day were called deviants because of their sexual preferences, etc. It's uh, at one time um, Shaver was a communist. I think a lot of people in the 1930s in uh, blue-collar jobs during the Depression were drawn to the promise that the Soviets were putting out there. That doesn't mean that they, you know, should have been subjected to scrutiny or to blackballing 20, 30 years later, but uh, he may have been in the sights of all kinds of authorities because, because of that alone, let alone, you know, I went to the caves and met this chick, blah, 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 blah. I mean... He took his own experiences literally to the day he died, apparently, if you believe his wife. I had numerous contacts with Shavers, you did. And in every case, the experiences to him were all physical. We interviewed him possibly a year or two before he died. And it's the same story. And he was involved also in these rock books where you get this crystalline structure and you start thinking, well, now we have... uh, silicon-based technology in all the computers, in our iPhones, in our Android phones, everything like that. And Shaver, maybe in his own way, was looking at that because he claimed that these rock books had something that was a relic of the past advanced civilization. But to make matters crazier, Geneva, my first wife and I, actually looked at his rocks and saw something. Now, of course, they're going to take me, me away. I... Let's talk about that in our next segment, Before They Take Me Away, haha. With Alan Jean and Tim, you're in... The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy. 
a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Back to Shaver and his rock books. That was what he was pursuing with this collection of lenses and things. And he sent us some rocks and we looked at it. And we looked at the pictures he made of the rocks. And suddenly it wasn't a Rorsach test. We saw something real, as you did, Alan, and maybe you can tell us about your experiences. Well, I think I may have been the last person to publish a, a Shaver piece. I have mentioned it previously that uh, it was just like Palmer described. You had to decode it because uh, Shaver said the Dero are shining rays on me, and his typing and writing looked like something had, had interfered with him, whether he had uh, uh, some form of dyskinesia or whether it was, in fact, very hard for him to type. I had to do some decoding, but I published the article. And uh, he was wont in the last few years of his life to send me slides of his rocks, the rocks themselves in great big manila envelopes and and also his painting impressions of the rocks and i uh i got the same impression that you did that uh we weren't viewing them through the right kind of viewing apparatus but that doesn't mean that they could not be viewed at that time if you'll remember holography was a really really new but very big big deal. And uh, I thought if we had the right way of decoding these things, instead of, you know, squinting and looking at them uh, in the way you would do with any great painting, um, they might look a lot like holograms, only more advanced. Does that suggest visitors from other planets? I don't think so. I think they represent something in the past of the Earth. And while I think uh, Ike and his minions and their lizard people is a thinly veiled 
mythology best left to cranks. Uh, some of the people like uh, Charles Hapgood and uh, and uh, John Anthony West and uh, now Graham Hancock, although they are excessively adversarial towards uh, towards Orthodox uh, anthropology and archaeology, um, nevertheless, they may have a point about human beings have been around for a very, very long time. And whether there have been other configurations or not that have arisen and basically eroded away in the Ice Age or whatever, maybe these rocks are the evidence for that. I don't know. But that would be the same line of evolution that that we already know about on Earth. It doesn't involve any ET. It takes us back to the comic book adaptation of multiple universes in the Superman stories the technology of Krypton is embedded in crystals and they could use the crystals to transfer knowledge to actually assemble things like the Fortress of Solitude and that comes in the wake of all this other stuff, Shaver and everything else and remember Shaver was very close to the world of science fiction yeah um I don't know that he was close to the world of comic book science fiction, but he was close to the science fiction world. Uh, So, by the way, was Adamski. And I have a theory that, well, again, the word theory is tossed around in UFO circles like it was water. And uh, uh, ideas that uh, Adamski and some of the others in his immediate circle may have had an experience sometime circa 1940, 41, 42, and floated it as science fiction. Why? Because that was a narrow circle back then. Uh, I think there were, what, 15 people at the first Worldcon? Somebody will correct me on that. I have a low opinion of orthodox science fiction fandom based on firsthand experience at a much later time. But uh, it was a very, very small circle of people. And the circle of readers uh, was comparatively small uh, in those pre-television days. So um, where was I going with that? Tell me where I was going, Gene. I'm having the senior moment right now. What do you think, Tim? Friends, let me tell you, you need to buy my new book. Go ahead, Gene. It's your show. That's right. And Tim, it's his show, too. Tim, why don't you interject? (laughs) I have such a good time just sitting here listening to Alan talk. You know, it's it, 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 it. it feels sacrilegious almost to to jump in and interrupt him <laughs> as as he's talking. But I I, I want to go back away from uh, whatever it was that you were trying to remember that uh, you were going for. You know uh, the the whole idea of um, the paranormal, interdimensional uh, aspect of of all of these things, UFOs, cryptids. And, and, and the like, you know, it, it's an idea that's always fascinated me. But how come they get all the fun? 
why don't we have that same ability to be able to, you know, cross that that dimensional rift or or, or whatever and visit the other worlds? You know, how come we're always just the, uh, you know, the, the 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 unwilling host to these unknown visitors? Without going into uh, pre-Columbian discoverers, plural, of the Americas. The reason that it was well beyond the high Middle Ages that the first continuity between uh, Europe and America was so late, even though ships had been around since, you know, (laughs) uh, there's now evidence that some of the people in Southeast Asia floated to uh, Australia and the... uh, uh, Micronesia and so forth, what, uh, 10,000, 15,000 years ago, so without the aid of the Bering Strait or anything like that. So uh, why was it so late? And the answer is because they didn't think anything was there. It was only with the uh, emergence of a firm theory of a round Earth that they decided, well, it might be worth risking your life to go to uh, to India by sailing west. And if you don't think that there's anything out there, your technological people, to say nothing of, again, I'm not trying to bring government into it, but uh, Columbus was sponsored by the infamous Spanish government in the same year that the Jews and Muslims were deported from Spain, 1492. And I imagine they had come into a good deal of money at that time, since people were not permitted to take everything that they owned and and leave, and they were required to leave or convert to Catholicism. And some stayed and some went and some died. But uh, Columbus was a sponsor, sponsored by the state, so he had, you know, his three ships and discovered India, or what he took to be India at the time. So, could it have been done earlier? The evidence for that is the Vikings did it, maybe the Chinese did it, uh, uh, certainly the uh, Siberian tribes when it was available, uh, risk crossing the Bering Strait uh, one way or another. Um, But you have to think that there's something on the other side, which is a long-winded, admittedly long-winded way of saying the reason that we aren't able to do that is because there's no funding the way there is for, say, the space program, which I don't begrudge at all. I think that actually it should be better funded. um, to experiment in that direction. We are going to experiment in another direction and then come back to Alan and Gene and Tim. You're in <laughs> the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like Cal Ripken. It's definitely humbling to know that now people are calling me a hero. Instead of finding the IED with my metal detector, the IED found me first, and that resulted in double above knee amputations. It's hard to describe the feeling of meeting somebody that you've always wanted to be like. There are people now that are looking up to you for their inspiration and to be their role model. Visit SaluteHeroes.org to learn more. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-932-5140. 800-932-5140. 800-932-5140. That's 800-932-5140. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Alan Greenfield, we're talking about the past. And isn't it interesting how when they talk about when humans or humanoid creatures first arose on Earth, they keep going further and further back in time. Continue, Alan. Well, yeah, and I think that that's that's important and quite orthodox, although it is pioneering new territories and may suggest a paradigm shift of some sort happening. Because I can remember not very long ago at all when uh, one of the insurance companies, I think, was parodying Neanderthals as being these subhuman, hairy, almost ape-like beings, and but acting perfectly like other humans, and resenting, you know, the uh, depiction of of them. Well, it's come around to that wouldn't even be funny now, because in fact the revisionist views on how developed and how sophisticated neanderthals were compared to the homo sapiens of the same period especially in eurasia which is where both for a while were present and perhaps and likely contended for food and uh, mates and so forth we now have a picture of Neanderthalers that are not very, very far behind so far as technology goes, if at all behind. their contemporaries uh, in the Homo sapien communities of Asia and, well, of Europa, let's say. And then, of course, we have recent archaeological finds, mostly in what is now Turkey, which, as they say, change... Everything, change everything. It'll take a while for that to sink in. The Egyptologists are still saying, oh, no, that's not important. What's important is the pyramids and the Sphinx, which is not as old as some people think, even though it apparently is eroded by water. We just need to be open about the past. We really, really need to acknowledge that our knowledge of the past is fragmentary. As I once wrote, I don't remember which book it was in, but I think it was the book about the Rite of Memphis. We can't really agree on what happened in the last war. How is it that we're supposed to understand what happened in the Civil War? The last war? We can't agree what happened yesterday. Now, I mean, we're, we're in a period of extreme division that is at the level that it was in the 1840s, right before the Civil War, maybe the 1850s even. But uh, just going back to our youth when things were still civil and the lines were not as sharply drawn, I think that our assumptions about history were very different than they are today and that would include like uh, at the time there was the older generation of that time our parents or grandparents 
had been around for World War II, conceivably World War I, and they tended to project on Vietnam that it was the same situation, which was, you know, exploited by those who were, as Paul Anderson's to me, the rider, not the weightlifter. An empire has to protect its borders. And I said, Paul, this isn't an empire, it's a republic. But, you know, I disagreed with the orthodox science fiction writers, even as I love their fiction. So, if we can't agree what happened in that long war in the uh, Vietnam era, and there are now dissenting opinions before all the Holocaust victims are dead. I've even had one or two Holocaust deniers that I've stumbled onto programs that I was on telling me, well, you know, I wasn't uh, all that many Jews killed by the... And I think I've known that that's out there, but to have somebody saying that to me in a live broadcast is unacceptable, and I uh, ripped him a new one. It's, it's bad. So what do we know about antiquity? We know that there are more books that are lost, that are cited, let alone those that aren't cited, than there are books that have survived from antiquity. And that's civilized antiquity, quote-unquote. Roman stuff, Greek stuff. The Dead Sea Scrolls pushed back the oldest text of, let's say, the book of Isaiah by a thousand years, thousand years. The closest one were the, I think it was the Leningrad Codex, as it was, well, I guess it's still called that, was copied from a copy, from a copy, from a copy, a thousand years later. And then... There was a find of a, this one is less known, of what amounts to a mezuzah, a Jewish sacred object that unfolded, had the text that uh, Jewish observant people still have. I have one on my door, the, uh, the text of the blessing of the Kohenim. We may be able to push it back, but if that's the oldest that we have, except stuff that's been dug up in fragmentary form, how on earth do we know with confidence what the history of Sumer or pre-Sumer was like? How do we know that this civilization that in Anatolia, in what now is Turkey, thanks to the Ottoman Empire, we didn't know it existed until a few years ago? Yeah, that's right. yeah it was about uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago that uh, it came out. So to say that we know ancient history, that other things won't be found, is nonsensical and really smacks of uh, rigid orthodoxy because there are things that come along that change everything all the time in whatever area of life that you want to go. Now, that doesn't mean that every uh, half-cocked theory is correct because half of them, more than half of them, aren't theories. They're evil, evil there's the theories of Yuna Ibn Aron, who expounded them at one of our early conventions and was an influence on me, who thought that, uh, which is not my opinion, but the biblical deity was in fact a non-terrestrial. And his basis was translation, which he was learned, and my friend Dave Halpern says, oh, it was it's bunk, and maybe it is. I mean... I know Hebrew, but I don't profess to be an expert in ancient Hebrew, and I often quote Robert Graves in saying, translation is a lie. 
uh, a good translation is a polite lie, but it's still a lie. Well, you know, it's interesting here. We always wondered about Yona, and of course, the more Americanized name was Yona Fortner. Jim Mosley, for example, suggested that Yona sometimes faked it. We didn't know what he was really doing. He'd say something, and you had to take his word for it because he spoke more languages than you knew existed. So that was one thing. But he was a pioneer in the early ancient astronaut lore. Unfortunately, most of what he wrote appeared in Saucer News, then known as Nexus, when it has circulation of 500. So very few people other than me and thee may even remember him anymore. We've got Alan and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com, or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. USA News Update. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says an unidentified object that violated Canadian airspace was shot down over the Yukon. NBC News correspondent Dan DeLucy. We don't know where it's from. We don't know whether it has any connection at all with the Chinese surveillance airship. Uh, we don't know if it has any connection to the object that they still haven't identified in any uh, uh, detail uh, that is now uh, over uh, frozen ice off the northern coast of Alaska. The United States continues to lead the world in contributions to Ukraine with nearly $200 billion in promised or sent aid. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Nearly every year, more people watch the Super Bowl than any other event. And they bet on everything. How long the national anthem will be? Will the coin toss be heads or tails? The actual game. Corey Myers, USA News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans 
different nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hey, y'all. Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires, which means... Always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. This is Be the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. But Yona Fortner was an important figure in those early years, but so much forgotten these days. And he told stories like the last time I talked to him was in the early 2000s. And he sent me some magazines. He was giving away stuff. Sent me some sci-fi magazines. And he said then that he, and he was a very big person. He was like Jabba the Hutt. Big person. Well, crippled. he was a polio victim. Point that out. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, right. When I met him, he was on crutches and then in a wheelchair. It is very hard for a polio victim to make it. To He lived to be 65. He was, I guess at his peak, he was in his 30s or 40s. He had a struggle with life. So I wouldn't call him, you know, somebody who was abusively fat. He was just confined to a wheelchair. We accept that. I was just describing the physical form. But he claimed, and he made a lot of claims, that George Lucas based the character of Yoda on Yona. Hmm. Well, Yona based Yona on the prophet Yona or Jonah. So, you know, a probably fictional, well, semi-fictional character. I mean, the book of, look, I know enough. I mean, he his big point was that Biblical translation is done mostly from Hebrew, especially from the earlier uh, books, hypothetically, since we don't have a copy in Hebrew, uh, except for uh, some fragments. And he thought that the they should be translated from Aramaic. Well, I don't know Aramaic, ancient or modern, but it's very similar to Hebrew, in fact, 
you know, for a long time, that became the lingua franca of the entire Near East, including uh, Judea. So I know some words, and he would tell me some things about specifics because his story of his life, did he have a rabbinical smicha? That's certification that you're a rabbi. I don't know. I didn't see it, so I don't know. And uh, he could tell a tall tale about himself and his past and, you know, what he represented. But I think his stories about his interpretation of biblical literature, while again, not my interpretation, nevertheless um, have a substantial amount going for it, uh, Dave Halpern, to the contrary. And, uh, but of course, Dave thinks it's all archetypal visions now. I remember when he was the head of the New Jersey Association of Aerial Phenomena, or whatever it was called, living in Philadelphia. That requires some explanation in and of itself, but that's okay. Dave is a very smart guy who overthinks, as we were talking about earlier. Um, I should mention that David Halpern has been on the Paracast a few times. He's always fascinating, and he appeared in a debate with Eric Von Daniken on the Paracast, and being a Jewish scholar, disassembled rather well Von Daniken's theories, to the point where Von Daniken was admitting towards the end of the segment that, well, that's just his interpretation of things because he couldn't argue with David. Yona could have argued with David credibly. Of course he could, but I... Um I had a notion at one point of uh, uh, not all of the uh, extraterrestrialism, as Yona called it, and that was, by the way, before Eric Von Daniken was anything other than a hotel manager, you know? So he had not written, what was his original book? Uh, uh, Chariots of the Gods. That's it. Da, 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 da. Okay, so chariots of the gods. This goes back to the 1950s, but I, I think you are aware of this, Gene, because you were, you and Mosley were pretty tight, and I think you worked for him for a while, didn't you? I was his first paid managing editor. I made all of five dollars an hour. This is in the 1960s. For Mosley, today it'd be like today would be like making fifty dollars an hour or something. Yeah, well, he had it then. I mean, his his fortune, like mine, uh, drifted off. Not as much as mine did, but uh, drifted off between a variety of uh, angry spouses and ridiculous laws about palimony and fighting over custody and other things, but. Uh, uh, things that I'm somewhat familiar with, but um, a lot of the material that Yona wrote was in the newsletter co-edited with Jack Robinson, who we both knew quite well, um, called the Consultants Committee on Semitic Philology, of which at one time I had a complete set. And I believe that the extraterrestrialism that Yona hypothesized there, and notice I will give him the notion of it being a theory, um, because he did have backing for it. He wasn't just simply saying it by default. Um, I had the notion of somehow finding somebody that had those copies still, 
I don't know how many were distributed. It may have been very small. That was the nature of newsletters in those days. But some of my newsletters that had a circulation of 100, 200, 300, you know, the drill from the 1960s and 70s, it was, you know, that was good circulation for everything other than NICAP and APRO back then. Um, uh, and put those together with the ones from Saucer News, which I think would be more easily acquired, and publishing them as a book with a new introduction, which I would write. Um, I took them, what I had, to Dave Halpern at uh, where you were not present, but should have been, at the uh, National UFO Conference reunion about six, eight years ago. And Dave said, this is all nonsense. And I thought, well, I don't want to, you know, rain on anybody's parade. So I put that idea, you know, on hold because I had other fish to fry. But I still think that that's a good idea if you could get all the materials together. But let me, whereas I don't know Aramaic, I do know modern Hebrew. And because I uh, am a lifelong uh uh, reformed Jew and a member of a reformed congregation, I know a lot of liturgical Hebrew. I mean, that doesn't mean I can read scripture straight through, you know. I can read bar mitzvah level <laughs> uh, straight through without stopping to think about, you know, what it means. But I can tell you from that experience, the things that Jonas said that I knew one way or the other, it was absolutely spot on. And I'll give you one example. Do I have time for that? We have about a minute and a half for this segment, then we'll do the final segment of the regular that, show. And then the one where long. you could use the words without the beeps. Go ahead. Um, he said, okay, you know how the word ruach is used in the book, first chapter of the book of Ezekiel, which is a fairly late, you know, Babylonian exilic book, probably modified later than that. And I said, yeah, it's used to describe the, uh, the force coming from this uh, thing that some, some people have described as an alien ship or whatever. And he said, okay, what about in Genesis 1.1? The Ruach Elohim. I said that's the uh, that's the uh, spirit of God or the wind of God, depending on how you translate it. He said it's the same as in Ezekiel. It's the blast from the spaceship. That's uh, an outlandish and heretical thing to say, which he was a very heretical person. Um, but I think that that is a damningly uh, consistent interpretation. Ruach. Look it up. Well, we're giving a Hebrew lesson here on the show this week, and we have our specialist, Alan Greenfield, who knows a lot about a lot of things as you folks are learning. We're talking about early ancient astronaut theories here. I'm Gene. He's Tim. You're in the Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. February is Heart Month. Every year for the month of February, to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call one 877 928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extend I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. 
This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. We continue talking about the work of the late Yona Ibn Aharon, or Yona Fortner, extraterrestrialism, where he suggested that the God of Jews back in the Bible was really, really an extraterrestrial. And he was a pioneer in the ancient astronaut theory. And unfortunately, because what he wrote was only circulated to a small number of people, only a few of us remember him or what he wrote. Very few. And of those who remember him, I think he's undercredited even by those, except maybe you and me. And there are not a lot of other people left. I don't know what Rick Hilberg's opinion on it is. I know what Dave Halpern's is. You know what I would like, Alan, is to get you together with David Halpern and have a debate about that. Look, I'm, I'm feeling close enough with Tim lurking over on the side, I won't say like a vulture, waiting for me to say something that's absolutely scientifically insane. And uh, with Dave, he can out-talk me because he's an academic, and I haven't been in the academy since 1981. So he would talk rings around me, talking eight necessarily the truth because it ain't necessarily so (laughs) but you might do that because then i would you know say things that you have to censor like dave you're a schmuck but schmuck is not an english word and i think probably you can get by with that a schmuck and a yutz and a putz Oh boy, I think David's going to appreciate that. But looking at it now, no, I, what, I do like we t- what do we tell people? The academy is fried. You know, I mean, enclosed within themselves, and they really need to get out in the streets more. All right, let's get back in the streets here. In terms of Yona, assuming everything here, do you think that what he interpreted as the Bible from the Bible? is remotely what it really meant. I go along with, I'm not going against organized religion or anything, I'm not attacking anyone's belief system here. I kind of figure, if we can't figure out what happened yesterday, how do we know what happened 2,000 years ago? We haven't the remotest clue. Maybe Yona was closer because of his ability at language and having the capability of original thought. He was closer. But even then, I don't know how close he was. Well, I think that it is a legitimate place to argue that the miracle stories either have a paranormal explanation or a revisionist explanation from antiquity or that something along the lines that Yona mentions is possible. But having said that, that says absolutely nothing about the deity postulated at first as a national deity and then later as a universal deity in ancient Israel and, and Judah and much later in Judea. I, I tend to look, as many Reformed Jews do, at the biblical text uh, as we have it as uh, the national epic of the Jewish people which is, to me, more or less synonymous with the Iliad and the Odyssey for the Greek people. You don't ask, well, is that the way the Trojan War actually was? If there was a Trojan War, actually, there was probably more than one, probably more than two. That was in Anatolia, too, so, you know, we don't know exactly, but we do know that it is a Greek national epic and 
has been historically for a very long time. Same with the Hebrew scriptures for the Jews. So I'm comfortable with that. Where the God of Israel figures in, that's an evolving concept. Then again, the only way we would find out, unless we find some older book that justifies or explains a theory in more detail, is to go back through time, perhaps. Well, yeah. I mean, there is an argument being made that, and I'm not sure that the logic of this is that firm, but it does come from Bill Deaver, who was the archaeologist in residence at the University of Arizona back in my day, and who I've read and respect a lot, that the biblical texts are inferior to what archaeology can disclose. And I think, well, archaeology is a still work in progress, you know. The Dead Sea Scrolls were disclosed. Well, actually, they weren't disclosed, but they, they were surfaced uh, by a Bedouin kid looking in a cave for something to eat or something to burn or whatever uh, about a year before I was born. It was many years later that this protected source got published on the internet uh, page for page and suddenly it was available to everybody that could understand it. Uh, some of it in Hebrew, some of it in Aramaic, the, some of it even in Paleo-Hebrew, which was still in use for liturgical purposes then, which is looks like total gibberish to me, but I'm not in the academy. I don't, you know, have that kind of level of scholarship on that. But that was within the lifetime of a lot of people still around. <laughs> Even the lifetime of the current president of the United States and the previous president of the United States. So there are a lot of people around who can, you know, who date before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Similarly, and a little bit earlier than that, but uh, caught in situ, for the most part, we didn't know hardly anything except biblical accounts, which is an adversarial account, about Mesopotamian civilization, beginning with Sumer, and then Akkad, and then, not Freder Akkad, the country, Akkad, and uh, Babylon and uh, Assyria. We didn't know very much about them until archaeologists and adventurers stumbled across them. And we do have some of these resemble the biblical accounts, especially in Genesis and Exodus, and um, are much older. So are they adaptations? Well, there's a lot of thought that that's true, particularly where the flood is concerned. But I imagine at the end of the last ice age, there were many floods. And since the ice caps are melting again, we may be uh, bear witness to that in the reasonably near future, since I have uh, three adult sons. I hope that it doesn't, but it could. So we know a lot about pre-existing literature, but it's fragmentary. They just found apparently an additional part of the, wasn't the Amuna Elish, it's, uh, help me out, what did they just find? Another chapter for one of the classical um, Sumerian slash Babylonian epics, a Gilgamesh. Uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, long and drawn out and resembling, again, the uh, 
epic of the Jewish people and the epic of the Greek people, but much earlier. We're going to have to end this segment, but Alan will pick up with more discussion on after the Paracast this week. But right now, Alan Greenfield, please tell our listeners, if they want to know more of what you do, where can they find you? Well, you can always Google my name because... I've been on the internet since it was the ARPANET, so you'll find lots of entries. Some of them even bear some resemblance to the truth. Uh, Don't look at the Wikipedia page. I don't know who has input into that, but they tend to trash the inner people there at that open source. They tend to trash everybody that is unorthodox, and God knows I'm unorthodox. But what you can do is... Go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of the uh, distributors and all of my books because my current publisher Second. thinks the world of me. You can go to Amazon and find all of my books. My name is spelled A-L-L-E-N, Greenfield, like it sounds. Hey, we can be found while it still lasts on Twitter. You can find two areas for the Paracast on Facebook. We have the branded merchandise at the Paracast.store, the Paracast. Dot store. This includes four different logos, T-shirts, caps, lots of really good stuff. We also offer the Paracast Plus, where Alan will be back on our premium show, After the Paracast. You get After the Paracast, you get this show free of the network ads with better quality audio, all for a low subscription rate. If you use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, you will get... A 20% discount on five-year and lifetime subscriptions. The Paracast.plus. Again, the Paracast.plus. Alan Greenfield, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Paracast, can I go to the bathroom now? Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>